1: people think about stress as being, well, I feel this way in my body. And I think about it as being the, the experience of having more things than you can manage in that moment or in that season. And that includes our subconscious beliefs. It includes what we're eating and how we're moving our bodies and what our financial situation is and what's going on in the world. And, you know, all those things, it feels overwhelming, but ultimately the thing that's going to relieve the overwhelm is being curious and looking at it all and saying, oh, this, I don't, that thing, I'm just going to let go of that. That's something that I'm going to choose not to change right now, or that's something that I'm going to decide I'm not going to let undo me.
0: (laughs) Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Well, we are in full swing spring, as I like to say. And if you've been over here for any length of time, you know how obsessed I am with spring. It feels like a new beginning. To me, this feels like the new year. This is my January 1st, this is my New Year's Day just feels like everything is waking back up, you have another chance (laughs) at starting over, this is my new year. I love spring. And wherever you are in the world, it might not be spring for you. I know we have some Australian listeners and people from the other side of the planet. Wherever you are, I hope that you are well. I hope that you are taking care of yourself. I know we're not out of the woods yet, and we might not be for a little while. And if you missed some of my previous episodes uh about a month ago I did some bonus episodes where I was trying my best to help you out during a very very uncertain time not that things are, un- are are certain now but I do feel like we've come a few weeks out and things are I guess if nothing else everyone's starting to feel slightly more comfortable where we are although very uncertain and it's been really interesting to watch what's been going on how people are showing up as leaders, how people are being transparent with their not-so-good days, I guess you would call it, and just also how that relates to me writing this book. Every book that I've written, this is my third, has really invited me to bring something new out of myself, to do my own work. I was going to say every book that I've written has kicked my ass up and down the street, but I'm like, that's a little dramatic, Andrea. But in fact, in a way that it it has, I think that every time I write a book for you, it asks me to show up as the best version of myself. I can't write a book and not walk my own talk. I feel like the biggest asshole if I'm over here telling you how to live your best, most kick-ass life, and I'm still hiding in the corner, not following my own advice. So it's a visibility thing, you know, putting myself out there, putting my work out there, speaking up, Taking up space, which is a huge theme of this particular book, as well as just doing my own work, all the work that I'm talking about in this book. Speaking of this book, thank you so much to those of you who have answered the questions on my website. I do book research every time I write a book, I need to know about you out there, because I can't just speak from my own experiences. I can speak from the experiences of my clients, but I also want to know you, the listeners here, what's going on in your life? How do you relate to these things that I'm talking about? What is your experience? So if you go to yourkickasslife.com slash story, you will see a series of questions there. I love reading your answers. I'm just so honored that you take the time to tell me what your experience is. All of the instructions are there. Please read through them before you answer the questions. You don't have to answer all of them. They're not required. So if something just doesn't apply to you, please feel free to skip it. And we will reach out if I feel like this would be a fantastic addition to one of my chapters. I'll be circling back and reminding you about it again. I will have a new batch of questions as I move into different chapters. I'm about 30,000 or so words in. To a 70,000-word book, and my manuscript is due November 1st. This baby will hopefully be in your hands fall of 2021. Title to be determined. I submitted a title, that I wanted it to be, and my editor didn't love it. I wasn't super married to it. I was, I was really married to How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. I, I felt like that title had to be the title of that book. And I'm glad that it was. This one, I was, I liked it, but I, I didn't love it. So we'll see what this title is. I think as I write the book, it will, it will be born inside of my head, inside of my heart. All right, today's guest, y'all. She sent me a copy of her book, Overcoming Overwhelm, and I was like, well, nobody that listens to the podcast struggles with overwhelm, so we don't have to have you on the show. No, I just, of course, of course, right? All of us (laughs) struggle with overwhelm. Dr. Samantha Brody is here. We had such a fantastic conversation. Her book is called Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Samantha Brody is a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist and the founder of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Portland, Oregon. For decades in her private practice and virtual consulting business, Dr. Samantha has helped thousands of people transform their lives with her innovative, personalized approach. Again, she is the author of Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out, and you can find her online at drsamantha.com. So, without further ado, here is Dr. Samantha. Dr. Samantha, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I'm so excited to finally be here. I know. In this book, when you
0: uh, were talking to me about coming on the show, I was like, you wrote a book called Overcoming Overwhelm. How soon can you come and talk to us? (laughs) Because I know that my audience is going to relate to what you have to talk about. And let's just jump right into it because selfishly I came up with some of these questions because I might want to know the answers to them. But I, yeah, I want to kind of start with like a broad overview because without giving away the farm of the entire book, when I first picked it up, I noticed that you're asking people to look at their entire life if they want to overcome overwhelm. Is that a fair assessment of the work of the book?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely fair, but I don't want people to get scared by that. Overwhelmed about your overwhelm. Right, (laughs) right. because that's really common, right? Like when we're trying to do things to streamline, we feel like we're adding things and we don't have space for it. And so, yeah, for sure, we're looking at the whole picture, but we break it down in a way that we first understand what we're looking at, which is, I think, a big piece of what's missing often when we're trying to figure out how to, you know, how to have, fewer moving pieces in a way that impacts us, you know, not as much.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. Well, let me back up a little bit and ask you, what do you see women in particular, what do you see women doing to try to combat overwhelm that isn't
1: working? That's a great way to ask that question. I would say, so I'm in, I'm a naturopathic physician and acupuncturist. I have Mm -hmm. a practice in Portland as I'm sure you, you have mentioned already, but the, um, the thing that I see over and over is that when people are trying to get rid of their overwhelm, they they inadvertently add things to their plate instead of taking things away first. And so people will say, oh, I'll feel, you know, someone will say you'll feel less overwhelmed if you run every day or you'll feel less overwhelmed if you stretch every day or less overwhelmed if you meditate every day. Mm-hmm. And when we try to take those kind of classic here is how you deal with your overwhelm without going underneath it and figuring out what you what the problems are first that are filling your plate, it's it, it won't work. I mean, it'll help, right? I don't yeah, want to be like, like a band Doesn't help. or exercise doesn't help, right? It's like a band aid. And if we add more things to our plate when we're truly overwhelmed to begin with, we we give ourselves. It's kind of ironic because we give ourselves a little bit of extra bandwidth by doing that, but we end up adding something that we then feel badly about, which mm-hmm. is one of when we don't follow through with it for whatever reason, because comma life, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are, you know, when we start to add things and do that and then don't follow through with them for whatever reason, then we, now we layer on guilt, which is particularly a problem for women. Yes. (laughs) Self judgment. Like, oh, I didn't do it. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I'm lazy. I'm, you know, that, as you talk about all the time, that inner critic, right? Like, now what? So now we're still not where we were. We're still overwhelmed. And we are also judging ourselves, which is not helpful.
0: Not helpful, but sadly, super common. And I, okay. So in step one in the book, which I, was so excited to see you talk about values and that's something over here I talk about all the time. It was, you know, wrote about it at length in my second book and I just, it's, I feel like it's one of those foundational things and it looks like we share that perspective, but I love hearing from other experts on either, you know, what your perspective is on it, how you walk clients through it. And so please, please jam on that for a moment.
1: Yeah. So the, one of the things that I always look at is when we, I feel like when we look at our values only and don't also at the same time look at how we want to feel both physically and emotionally. And again, I'm a doctor, so that's coloring things a bit. Uh, But when we don't look at those other things, sometimes our values that we identify don't actually line up with what we want in our lives. And so one of the things I do is I really walk people through all parts of that, how, what your values are, how you want to feel physically, how you want to feel emotionally. And then you can line things up in a way that's more attainable.
0: Well, I was going to ask you a I guess side question on that because I know that we love examples. Could you, could you give me an example of that? Or if I give you one of my values and we tell me a little bit, Yeah, how that
1: looks? yeah put, me on, put me on the spot. I love that.
0: Okay. I don't know if I want to give you like, because I, I do 100% have a value around courage, but I feel like it's a little bit of a cheater value because it encompasses so much.
1: Okay. Fair. Well, I don't know. Maybe not fair, but go ahead. Is that the one you want me to use? Um, Well, let's do, I feel like an easier one might be
0: creativity because I also have a value around that.
1: Okay. So let's say you have a strong value around creativity and at the same time you want to feel in your, in your mind more, uh, let's say relaxed, right? You want to feel relaxed. Like, so for me, you know, for someone who has, I don't, you know, so has a tendency to be wound up and excited about everything. Sometimes they just don't relax enough. So, if your value is creativity, and someone says, "Oh, I'm starting this new course in town," someone you love who's got this great course uh, on uh, some kind of encaustic art. That that incorporates your spiritual leanings, or you know, whatever yes. that is, and so you're like, oh, that that's dance, well. dance as well. Yeah. <laughs> All together with candle lighting and crystal, <laughs> with formation. the comedy flair, yeah, right? Yes, <laughs> on Thursday nights from five to seven, and you're like, oh gosh, my schedule is really busy. I've got this going on, but I can have my husband be with you, come home early that night, or my wife come home early that night and be with my kids, and then uh, I'm going to take this course. I'm so excited, but it is supporting your creativity, but it is not supporting how you want to feel. And so oh, okay. because it's going to add this or it might not be right. I mean, maybe there is a way to do it, but maybe if what you're trying to do is create a, a circumstance in your life where you want to be, um, you know, calmer and have time to ratchet down that adding something that's going to ramp you up. Let's also say that we play heavy metal music at these classes, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not a great match even though it is this incredibly creative endeavor that you would be doing and so it allows us to vet our choices which is the big thing in that i try to support people to do how do we vet our choices day over day because you can't do everything you can't even do all the things you want to do let's forget about the things that you have to do uh there just isn't time and so you know we can't we can't magically snap our fingers and get more time Although really, we're going to take our personality and fill that up anyway, right? Everyone's like, I want an extra hour in the day. And you're like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) do more dishes.
0: Ernan is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. This is what I do. Sometimes I like the idea of something. Like for the longest time I liked the idea of having chickens. I thought it was so cute and that it was going to be so great. But like in reality, when I really sat back and thought about how much work it was going to be, just the research alone, I think would have pushed me over the edge. And then plus we have a bird dog, which like eh, that would have been really tough to have her not murder the chickens. And anyway, so I, I say that because do you think sometimes it is worth like, do you recommend that people go out and try certain things And then really tap into how they're feeling because I think sometimes it can be tricky to decide just what you make up in your head. Because who knows? I may have loved having chickens.
1: Right. Well, I mean, that's – so here's – right. we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how decisions are just decisions, right? And often you have a bunch of – I mean, you never know what the outcome is going to be. There's always going to be a series of either bad or good outcomes. And you can only guess at that based on the information that you have. And I guess one of the things that I'm really looking at is how do we make sure we have more information up front? Mm -hmm. And so if you have that list, like I literally have a list. I mean, I should have a list. It's actually weirdly not. Oh, there it is. You know, I literally have a list of the values, how I want to feel physically and how I want to feel emotionally. And when I'm looking at taking on something big, I literally take that list out and I look at it and I mean. theoretically, you can even do that with small things, or you can have it in your planner and you say, okay, when I'm adding this thing, or when I'm deciding what my priorities are, how do I do that? And, you know, there are some things, there's no harm in trying something, although you can't, like, trying your hand at raising chickens is not something that's reasonable, right? right? Because now you have, like, 20 chickens to rehome home or whatever that is in a chicken coop you spent, you know... I mean, I guess it depends also kind of on where you sit with your privilege and can you sure. afford to spend $5,000 mm-hmm. $5, on a chicken. Oh my God. Yeah.
0: I never even thought right? about how much it
1: was. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> how how much it costs. Well, I'm thinking about a couple, you know, many years ago I started to do, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do triathlons. And I ended up, I did one and a short one. And it was great. It was one of the most accomplished moments in my life because I was afraid to swim and I faced that. But then I had all this gear and books yes. and I went, and I'm like, yeah, it's you know, not I cheap probably got a bit borrowed a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. Like I probably could have gone there and just not peed in it. Right. Um, Everybody
0: pees in their web when their wetsuit. wet. <laughs> <Yes, yes.
1: laughs> I mean, really. So, you know, I mean, I think that, yes, of course, try things, but if you can, before you get that far, do exactly what you just said, the research, talk to people about it. And if you, I mean, the truth is, is, if you don't have time to research something, that's going to take a lot of time you probably, it isn't the right time to do that. And that's the other thing we look at here, right? Like is now the right time? And you can get to that at any point. You can get to that after you do start something and go, oh, look, I did it again. I took this big task on and it's really not reasonable for me. And then be okay with switching gears. And again, another place, don't Mm -hmm. feel badly. You did the best you could, but how can we upfront learn what things are gonna line up with our values and how we wanna feel and again, here's another place for women, like, do we say no, mm-hmm. right? How we, the, if it doesn't line up, then we can't, you know, necessarily do it. Of course, there are always going to be things that are important that we have to do, but that really, when you look under it, those things line up with our values too, okay. right? Like, yeah. I don't want to take my kid to, you know, wherever suburb he has his soccer game, but that lines up with an important value I have mm-hmm. for it. My family, right, right,
0: right. Okay. You also talk about subconscious beliefs and how they might be derailing someone in trying to achieve their goals. Can you talk about that and give, and maybe give us advice on what someone might do to uncover their subconscious beliefs and overcome them?
1: I I think it depends. There are many different kinds of subconscious beliefs that we have. I call them. You know, I call them types of roadblocks, Mm -hmm. right? Like, do we believe that we. I'll give you an example. I think it's an easy way to do it. So, I have a patient who has been trying to make some specific changes in her life for a long time. And at you know, looking at different ways she could get under it, different ways she could do it, different people she could talk to. And she ended up in doing some therapy with a particular therapist who was really helpful. And she came back and she said, and we had talked about this, but it took going through that extra step for her to get there. She really felt on some level that she didn't deserve to feel mm. well, right? And that is this deep subconscious belief that she had. And it's everything that we go through in our lives nestles in our bodies, right? And then that colors how we face forward to the world Mm -hmm. and are being really conscious in any given moment of is this where is this response coming from is this response coming from who I want to be is is this response coming from something that's stuck in my body or my subconscious uh have you heard of the book the body yes I have read it oh my gosh yes
0: yeah, it's, so it's long that, for people we will put the link in the show notes. Don't walk in, you know, thinking it's going to be a light, quick read.
1: Yeah, I always I had one patient who read it and was upset that I didn't give her a trigger warning because there are trauma yeah. stories in there. So I'll tell the, your audience just briefly that this book talks about how all of our experiences and traumas we hold in our body. And then that colors how we function in the world, both physically and emotionally mm-hmm. and logistically and it's really that book uh, has really changed the way that I interact with my patients and my Mm -hmm. clients. And so far as I think so much of these subconscious beliefs are rooted in trauma. And I think that we tend to, my experience with my patients and the people I work with, is that we often minimize trauma. And, you know, when we think if we haven't been, you know, we look at it and compare it to other people's trauma. Like, you know, I wasn't tied up and kept in a basement. Mm. You know, I was only screamed at every day by my parents, or I only believed you know, when I was three that my parents' divorce was because of me. You know, all of those things are traumas, being bullied at school, being left out, you know, this natural kind of mean girl stuff that happens in so many contexts yeah. at certain ages. Like that's traumatic, yeah. even if you make it through it. I heard somewhere <laughs> that trauma can be defined
0: as something that happens to you where you do not have the coping mechanisms to be able to walk through it in a healthy manner.
1: Great that is such an easy short way mm-hmm. to put that yeah and and that's different for everybody and we again we can't judge and often as kids we don't have coping mechanisms at sure. all yet mm-hmm. right and so we come up with our own coping mechanism and so often that's burying it which is then the thing that creates our subconscious beliefs as does being surrounded by things right and so that's this comes up a lot with my patients who come in and clients and they say well I want to lose weight and then we start talking about well why do you want to lose weight well you know, it's affecting my health, and I say, "Is it really affecting your health?" And they're like, "Well, yeah." Well, my knees. I'm like, "Well, the studies really show that carrying an extra pounds, it's like starting to train. You're gaining the weight slowly. You're carry. It's like starting to carry around, let's say, some potatoes mm-hmm. or a weight, and it's not harming your body. You're actually stronger because mm-hmm. of it. And but this idea that my body should look a certain way or it's not healthy is so driven by the patriarchy sure. and so driven mm-hmm. by this culture that we live in, and that's a subconscious belief that we have, and we have to, you know, be. Being open to, so I'm going back to the original question and answering it with, we need to be open to challenging our beliefs and assessing where they come from and seeing if A, there are beliefs and B, if they line up with what our own values are. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I I encourage people just to get curious, which is, I think the same thing as exactly Mm, what you just said, because if we make ourselves wrong for having them in the first place, that's not helpful we all right. have unconscious beliefs and uh it's so fascinating just i could we could go off on a tangent on that just <laughs> <laughs> i
1: don't <we> but <laughs> right i mean we can but it's also such a really important part of overwhelm right mm-hmm. like everything you carry like the way that i think about stress is i think a lot of times people think about stress as being well this i feel this way in my body and i think about it as being the the experience of having more things than you can manage in that moment or in that season. And that includes our subconscious beliefs. It includes what we're eating and how we're moving our bodies and what our financial situation is and what's going on in the world. And, you know, all those things. And then, you know, that's kind of, again, now backing up to that whole thing where we look at the totality of our lives. It feels overwhelming, but ultimately the thing that's going to relieve the overwhelm is being curious mm-hmm. and looking at it all and saying, Oh, this I don't that thing, I'm just going to let go of that. That's something that I'm going to choose not to change yeah. right now, or that's something that I'm going to decide I'm not going to let undo me, or something that I'm finally going to get some support or account with or accountability for.
0: I find that. I mean, I hope you're, I don't say this and you're like, I've never heard that before. I find that when I am either saying to myself or saying to my husband or, or my best friend that I'm overwhelmed, that what's really going on is that I'm afraid. There's something I've never going heard on. that before.
1: I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, no, I think that's very common and, and it's going to be different for everyone. What kind of situations does that come up for you? Typically, if, if I feel like I
0: have a lot on my plate with work, and when I really sit back and think about it, I might have a longer to-do list than normal, but it's nothing that I can't handle or nothing that I can't delegate or spread out. You know, it's like I make up stories sometimes that everything needs to be done today by 5 p.m., which isn't true. But what's really going on is that I haven't given myself time to breathe. And what I mean by that is like, I haven't given myself time to take a step back and get curious and say like, What is actually going on? Well, I'm up leveling, you know, I'm I'm writing another book proposal and it's this one is it's scarier for whatever reason. Or do you know what I mean? Like there's something going on in my life, you know, or even like my marriage is really great and I'm afraid because I catastrophize too, just like my listeners, and think like, okay, when when is it all gonna fall apart? You know, sort of bracing myself. So those are the moments where it's helpful for me to get curious.
1: Yeah, and I will for sure, I mean, that's very common for everyone that piece is different. Uh, and the you know one thing that I will say that I, well actually a couple things that I want to say about that. The first is that, oh, being curious is always important, but what that has me do for you is to kind of loop around and say, you know, maybe in that moment, because you are up leveling other things in order to make space, for ease, like there's this part, there's this understanding intellectually of that, which is extremely important. Then there's a piece of, well, if you want to feel ease, like during those those seasons, you may want to feel more excited. In which case, then you can kind of transmute overwhelm to excited, which is different than saying, "Wow, I'm up leveling right now. I'm working on my book. Maybe some other things." in order to make some space, maybe some other things need to get put to the side and go from your these are priorities to these are not priorities, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just saying intellectually. I mean, again, it's different for everyone. It may be fine for you to be like, oh, I understand that's what this is. I'm going to be curious and look at it. But it also may be your mind telling you that you know that some things, it's time to shift some other yeah. things that may have been priorities previously. And the other thing I'll just mention around that is that I want to make it very clear that from my perspective, overwhelm doesn't necessarily just and stress don't necessarily manifest as this feeling of stress or overwhelm. Overwhelm can manifest and stress can manifest with whatever your weak spot is physically. It can be headaches or digestive issues or sleep issues or anxiety. It can be you know, a tendency to catastrophize mm-hmm. or it can be a tendency to um, be angry lash or irritable. Out, mm-hmm. Whatever lash out. You know, so it can be emotional and it can be physical. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we don't recognize those first signs or we ignore those first signs if they come up physically. And then it's not until we are really can't manage it that we start feeling it emotionally and that varies from person to person. Some mm-hmm. people feel it emotionally first, but other people, wow, yeah, my, my, I've been so achy or I've been having more headaches or even my, you know, I'm having my periods have been weird or my PMS is worse. So often those things have nothing to do with the actual, you know, my knees don't hurt more necessarily because you're doing more walking, but because your inflammation is up because you are eating a bunch of sugar because you're Feeling worried about having too much, too many things mm-hmm. to do, right? Mm-hmm. What, or whatever that chain of events is for that individual. Okay,
0: yeah, it sounds like it it's, can be very personal. Personal, from varying from from person to person. So, Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle tested solution sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash noise all lowercase go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today shopify.com slash noise
1: this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg
0: Just real quick, in case I forget to mention it, the book is Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. I have a couple more questions for you before we say goodbye. Can you tell us about overwhelm inventory?
1: Yeah, so in the book, we look at actually identifying specifically the, the necessity with what I was just talking about a moment ago around what areas in our lives that we are having stress that... Is impacting us. And I, you know, first, the first step is looking at our values so we can then kind of have a container to assess these, you know, specific things in this inventory. And the inventory literally goes through all the typical areas that we have in our lives that could be causing stress. And we enumerate them, saying, okay, the stress in my life related to this are these things and these things. And again, they're both physical and emotional and in some cases even spiritual. And we, Kind of look at those, so then we're able to say this is something that is non-negotiable for me to manage my overwhelm and stress. So for me, taking a certain number of steps a day is really a non-negotiable thing. In order to, you know, just get a basic amount of movement Mm -hmm. in and I know how I want to feel that I, there's really no way around that. For another person, it's going to be non-negotiable that they get the baseboards painted in their kitchen because it's been going on for, you know, a year They haven't been painted and every time they walk in their kitchen, they are irritated. mm -hmm. Can coffee be a non-negotiable? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes, it absolutely can. you know it's really interesting. I just wrote my my email that went out this week was literally about coffee and saying how well, you know coffee's good for you unless it isn't right so if you if someone has reflux or anxiety or you know fatigue or kind of overactive down, bladder
0: like I do, and I know part of it's causing. Right?
1: Yeah, but you could decide that you'd rather take supplements and have symptoms mm-hmm. than stop drinking coffee like you're a grown up. You can right. do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. But being conscious about that and saying, I'm choosing to do this, even though I know it's going to be a stress on my system, like you're a grown like just do mm-hmm. that. Okay. I was honestly curious what you were going to say. Yeah. No, it's really important because it may, it also may be that you, you know, when you really dig in and look at how you want to feel that you go out doing this actually doesn't line up with my values, but it certainly can. Mm -hmm. And you know, coffee, you know, coffee is very delicious. Here's the problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can be friends. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I I like that the non-negotiables and and I like the example too that you gave about getting your steps in. So the the way I look at it as so if you're having a day where it's, you know, getting to be like five or six and you haven't gotten all the steps in and you feel kind of the pressure buildup of, oh, I gotta get this in. So for you personally, it's you choose to walk through this the stress and quote unquote overwhelm of getting those steps in so that you can feel the relief from having checked it off the box, the physical effects it has on your body, et cetera. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think that is fair. And I will say I went a step beyond that, which is that I know that that's really important for me. I also had a back injury, of course, when I was working on the book a few years ago. And um, I ended up, purchasing again the place of privilege for sure that I'm able to do this but I ended up purchasing a treadmill that slides under my desk and so I went ahead and I made this big financial investment in doing that and so I now make sure that when I get up in the morning before I go to work even if it's like I live in the Pacific Northwest so sometimes it's like a nutty freezing raining you know or you live somewhere mm-hmm. where there's snow or whatever that is and you go well how am I gonna do that I make sure I made sure because it's that important to me you know over and above say cable TV Netflix, which we don't pay for, um, to have the treadmill at my desk. So I can always get on that and walk. And, you know, sometimes I do get to the end of the day and haven't gotten what I need. And I'm like, "Erf!" I would way rather curl up and read my book, but I'm going to walk and read it. Okay. So I made sure that I have something in place that I can do Mm -hmm. that. Right. And then if I didn't, I would have to give myself a little bit more grace and ease around it um, because I might not be, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable walking in my neighborhood mm-hmm, at night. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not that the neighborhood can be a little janky, okay. but, um, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So making sure that you have everything in place or an accountability, you know, accountability with someone to make sure that whatever it is, it's most important, you prioritize figuring out how you're going to make that happen. Okay.
0: Got it. Okay. One more question. And I know this could be an entire podcast episode in and of itself, but you did mention sugar. And can you talk to us about what food has to do with overwhelm? Because you do talk about that in the book.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. Since I wrote the book, I have shifted gears in my head a little bit around that. So what I will say is that when foods, when we eat foods that are a stress on our body. It affects how we interact with our other, with the rest of our world. And so, again, I look at this accumulation of stress. So, I'll give you an example. For me, when I eat gluten, it makes me tired. And you know, it doesn't mean you know I've gone through periods of time where I never ate any. And now I'm at a place where if my stress isn't too high and things are, you know, and I know it's going to be okay if I'm tired, like if I'm on vacation or something mm-hmm. like that, I may choose to eat it. But I know that that's something that. Stress is my body. Um, I'll give you an example. My, um, I have a teenager and he had a bad dairy allergy for a long time and he then got over his allergy and then started getting um, pimples from eating the dairy. It was a very clear association. And so now he knows, okay, that's a stress. When I get a pimple, it causes me this kind of distress. Therefore, I'm going to choose not to eat that You know, most of the time. And so when we have foods that stress our bodies or when we're eating you know in a way that doesn't line up with how we feel best i think that that can add a significant amount of stress and it's something we have a lot of control over that said um i think that there are places where we are trying to accomplish something with our food, whether that's like weight loss or having control over our lives that we also really need to look at to see, does that line up with what my values are and is this triggering for me? So there are some cases, you know, when I wrote the book, I was like, oh, the food is always something that is a great place to start because it's something you have a lot of control over. And now I'm feeling a little bit more like, you know, again, as that's, this was one of my fears about writing a book that, well, what if something, you know, and I get this book published and like, what if I change my mind? Yeah. Um, yeah, And, and, you know, that's necessarily the case. So that was one of my, you know, fears that I had to get over with that. But, um, you know, I think that there are places where when, when making food changes is causing us distress or we're, or it's causing us to be over-controlling or we're using it in a way that isn't healthy or because we're doing it because we think we should or because the patriarchy says do that, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I, I'm taking that a little bit more gently these days, but You know, there's no question that people know what foods make them feel well and feel unwell for the most part. Sometimes we don't know and sometimes we need to experiment with Mm -hmm. that. But if we're continually putting food in our foods in our body that our body isn't meant to handle, for instance, processed foods, our bodies really have aren't meant to deal with that. Or if we're continually not getting our macronutrient needs met, we're not getting enough protein, it's gonna affect how we feel. And then we have to decide, is it worth it to me? To because making those changes can be challenging Mm -hmm. for people, but it's also something that can make a big difference. So again, that's being curious. Also, I think, yeah, um, you know, for me, when I eat a lot of sugar, I don't, you know, I stopped eating. I, I I used to overeat sugar back, you know, back in the day, like binge eat sugar and. In order to help me get through that, I made the choice to not eat any sugar for a period of time. Um, It was clear, I wasn't, it was, um, it was something that for me was really triggering and for me was unhealthy for my body and was leading me toward the binge eating, which was a, you know, really challenging. Which
0: was, you mean to cut Um, it out completely or to eat sugar?
1: No, to eat the sugar. Cutting it out completely was hard for some period of time, Mm -hmm. but it was hard, like as in abstinence, as in it's hard to stop eating something that you're craving and in a culture where
0: it's everywhere in everything. And yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. So, um, my my body completely changed when I did that. I no longer crave sugar. You know, I may have a little bit, but I, you know, I, I, I just don't have the taste for it. It's just when you stop eating it for a period of time, you want it less. Now I don't ever recommend people doing, you know, extreme things with their food when they have history of eating disorders or food issues, unless they're working with someone closely around that. But for me, it was imperative, like refined greens and sugars were really problematic for me. And now, you know, 20 years later I can eat them without being triggered at all mm-hmm. and it's fine. Um, but at that time, those things were causing me more stress than I can even begin to tell you. And of course there was something underneath that, co- yeah. you know, I was trying to stuff my feelings with food. You're right. This is a whole other <laughs> episode. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. It can, <coughs> yeah. it can be loaded. And it's, and it is also, I think one of those things that's so personal and I'm glad that you, you did mention that, you know, if someone has a history of of um, any kind of disordered eating to not just quit something without working with a doctor, but, Overcoming overwhelm, dismantle your stress from the inside out. Dr. Samantha Brody, thank you so much for being here. Now, I don't like to cut people off before they might have something else that they wanted to say or that you forgot to say. So, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners?
1: No, I, I I'm great. Feel free to grab the book on uh, Amazon or your where you like to buy books. I'm also always available to um, I'm always available to answer questions if people have. And I'm on social. You can find me everywhere at. Dr. Samantha Dr. Samantha and as in Nancy, D and in David for naturopathic doctor. Um, and please feel free to reach out. I'm always available.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. And listeners, you know how grateful I am that you come and spend your time here with me and my guests. I know how valuable your time is. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye bye, everybody.